G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. One of those conversations ahead over this next hour, who knows what we'll be talking about. Um, Things are not all set in a plan. Things may go off in directions that some will be thinking perhaps uh, our children uh, might like to uh, be shielded a little from some of the conversation. So just a little warning, could be an adults-only conversation. Because of the subject matter that we're talking about, we're going to be asking what does recovery from infidelity look like? or new beginnings beyond betrayal. This is where our conversation is headed today. We're returning to what is a very sensitive subject for so many around what it looks like when you're recovering from infidelity. Our special guests today say most people get tripped up here naively believing that their relationships will not survive if partners knew the full truth. They say it's the very essence and absolute necessity for recovering from intimate betrayal that hidden things are dealt with together. What does this look like and what are the steps involved? Well, our guests have their own story to tell about lies, deceit and infidelity. But now Noni and her husband David, and while they freely admit they're a work in progress, they have a reconciled and restored marriage. David and Noni Yates support and mentor men and women in overcoming the obstacles and shame that is associated with infidelity. David and Noni Yates, they're joining us. Their book is called Beyond Betrayal, 28 Years, Lies, Deceit and Infidelity. Noni, a special welcome to you. Thanks, Neil. It's great to be back. And David, a special welcome back to you. Yeah, great to see you, Neil. Let me start with, in a nutshell, your story, because as we get into the conversation for listeners, just understanding that you've come through a pretty fiery trial in your relationship, and some might not appreciate just how deep and fiery a trial it might actually be, uh, because things can be explosive and things can burst apart at the seams. Noni, if I ask you, how do you describe uh, the relationship that you and Dave have been wrestling with all these years now and things are looking positive and sound and good because of some things that are in place. But how do you describe your story? Um, well, I, I kind of wish that um, I could describe it as an uncommon story, but the longer we go in this process, the more we realise just how um, prevalent this is in society. So, uh, yeah, just in a nutshell, Dave and I married in 1993 and uh, not long after we were married, I realised that, well, I discovered that he had been unfaithful with a co-worker and um, we, uh, many of the um, advice at the time or counsel was, you know, it's a marriage problem. Uh, fast forward to 2018 Dave and I separated, and um, the reason being because when there is so many hidden uh, behaviours, 
and um, we'll call it acting out, whether sexually, emotionally, um, physically. There's a whole constellation of behaviours that go with that. And so the the relationship for the most part was um, quite up and down, uh, roundabout, and um, in, a, in a word, coercively... Um, covertly abusive and that's and uh, we separated um after that because of some um issues that that arose i questioned dave and i i just said i want to know the truth um because we were talking about a reconciliation with a specialist and there was a moment that uh i believed i was getting the full truth and my heart softened and became tender towards a man that had quite a double life that I had no idea about. Dave, let me come to you. Uh, there's, and let me just say uh, from the outset, as I have said before, special honour to you because you're the guy in this sense uh, who has humbled himself and said, well, what have I got to lose by sharing my whole heart, uh, by telling the truth, and uh, in the effort to save your marriage. And that just tells me Nani's worth coming clean on uh, to uh, to get that marriage you know, back on track again. But in all of this, the heart-wrenching process of being able to tell the truth, I wonder if you can let us in on how you have felt over these years when you've actually come out with another dimension, another element that Noni perhaps wasn't aware of, and you've courageously been able to share those things. Yeah, thanks, Neil. This is a really uh, a very timely discussion. I'd love to say that uh, in that moment, I embraced it wholly and surrendered. I did what 99% of men do at that moment. I said enough that, I thought would make me feel better, keep me comfortable, and not destroy the relationship. There was a risk it would. I controlled the information. And we had another chance then uh, in the coming months. And again, went deeper and answered questions. All this time, Neil, what we were doing, we were doing this on our own as best we could. And I can tell you, I didn't understand then what I understand now. Also, I still had not given up complete control. In very recent times, as Nani said, and as you said earlier, we have not yet arrived yet. Mm -hmm. And I think we have some really, um, I have some really, interesting um, experiences to share with you over the last two months. There's a really interesting connection here, and uh, listeners will identify with this. Can we do this on our own, or do we need help? Noni, let me come to you here. Uh, You know, when Dave says, you know, it's hard to do this on your own, I think you said that too, I think, when you were telling your story. Uh, can you do this on your own? Um, well, I think that it probably depends on the extent of the history that we're talking about. There's, you know, there's something called a full disclosure. There's also a full therapeutic disclosure. 
the difference is, you know, we can just dump a whole heap of information on on our partners without help, which is traumatizing and distressing. And just even navigating that is horrendous. But there's another way that we'll talk about the full therapeutic disclosure. And that word there, therapeutic, is actually working with professionals, um, ideally disclosure guides for the betrayed and the um, the one doing the disclosing, um, to actually create a safe environment. Uh, There's a lot of preparation and a lot of post work that's done as well. But um, you know, Kevin Skinner talks about a full therapeutic disclosure or full disclosure as being scheduled trauma. And I can promise you that's exactly what it is. It is painful, but it's so necessary in as part of our healing process. So I, um, I believe for your best shot, you are better to work with people that can actually guide you through this process and it's a period of time that's needed as well. Dave, what hurts for a little while has some upside uh, once you're through that and you've got a, I guess you'd call it a, a, a re-instigation of some level of trust. Uh, trust is a big one, uh, but um, the pain, you know, when it was the time for you to make disclosures and come clean, this was very painful. Well, it was the first time and the second. Um, what our recent experience is, we, five years ago, four and a half years ago, I'd never heard of what a full therapeutic disclosure mm. was. Um, and there was not the structure available. So there were things that I did leave out. There were things that I decided probably weren't that important. And in fact, I didn't take time to take a really strong personal inventory of my life to that point. I did what I thought in my heart was enough. We go back a couple of months ago, we were given an opportunity. See, our, as you know, our story, our recovery was interrupted by uh, <laughs> my health issue of uh, having lung cancer. And as Noni eloquently put it to me as we were recovering, as we were walking around the street one day after surgery, she says, this really sucks that your cancer trumps my trauma. And in that moment, I thought that was a little bit selfish, but I heard in her voice, I got a feeling for the pain she was in and was still holding at that time. So a few, what was it, two months ago, we had the opportunity, an offer from a professional colleague, friend of Noni's, uh, another counsellor, to, well, maybe, maybe you tell the story how it came about, Noni. Um, well, yeah, I was, I was um, having coffee with Dr. Fay, and, um, uh, you know, she said, you know, she's read our story, and she said, look, sister, I just feel there's more, there's, there's more that you don't know. And I was like, because we've done really well, you know. Like I'm thinking, no, there's really, and and because we'd already talked about doing um, the full disclosure process for my business and looking into, we've got some resource for that, which I actually had an, an amazing book, Dan Drake and Jan Cordell, um, Janice Cordell. They um, have got this full process, so we were talking about going through that ourselves anyway. Anyway, I said, I think you know you should do it. So. 
I said to Dave, um, hey, listen, this is, um, you know, a great opportunity. And Dave kind of went, oh, what's come up? I went, no, nothing. I think that if we're going to, we can't take people, we can't lead anyone any further than we've gone ourselves. And um, what I will say too is in the the time, um, I think that if, if anyone's read our book, you'll remember the time that my heart softened towards Dave is when I, I believed I was getting the truth and, and that was the miraculous turnaround moment for me. Um, in that time, um, I've seen Dave really dig in and his behaviour has demonstrated a commitment to that process of truth. Um, anyway, um, Dave was a little taken back, and but but at the same time, there wasn't any defensiveness. There was not, he went, okay, you know, we'll do this. And so then he went through yeah. a process and, um, uh, yeah, and there was more information that I did have the right to know that Dave withheld and I was re-traumatised over again. And I think you, if you remember, we were meant to be here on the 6th of June and I said, we can't do it. I had to clear the decks because mm-hmm. that was brand new. It was. Yeah. When we think of big things to disclose and the little things that might seem less important, do we assume here, Dave, that those little things actually are really significantly important too? It's not just the big picture. Exactly, Neil. Exactly, Neil. I mean, as a as a man who's had a deceptive behaviour for over thirty years, the self deception has been enormous. Mm. The self, um, yeah, deception. So part of the process was to take an inventory in you know, five year intervals of every deception, every acting out, and I was given a. You were given a. Um, sort of a template, a list of things to check off. And some of these things are things I hadn't really thought of. Writing it out is so incredibly powerful. Mm. And I learned one thing now. I I wrote these I started writing these things out. It took what, about two, three weeks and many hours. I would wake up in the middle of the night and remember things that I never wanted to remember. That I'd actually forgotten. And you cannot Unremember. Your memory was enhanced when you began to write things down, yes. and then you realise there's more to write here than I prefer to write. Absolutely, uh, there's lots of things here that could be in a hidden process that need to come out for a therapeutic yep. uh, outcome that will actually be a restoration of trust. A biblical perspective on life, culture, and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. A sensitive conversation today, and our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. David and Noni Yates are our guests. Uh, They have a book called Beyond Betrayal, 28 Years, Lies, Deceit and Infidelity. Uh, Noni, while we're hearing your story today, and it's a little one-sided so far as Dave and his confessions about infidelity and the challenges, and wonderful to hear his heart on that. I know that some will be thinking, and there may be men listening, thinking, this is what my wife did to me. Uh, Is there a balance here? Is there something different about men and their infidelity to women and their infidelity? How do you reflect on that? Um, Well, Neil, I believe probably the statistics are about 50-50, 
at the moment. I don't I don't know that for sure, but I do know that um, I hear from men who have been betrayed, and the pain is equally as catastrophic. Um, it's and and again, you know, I've spoken to some women who have been in that in the in the position of being the unfaithful, and you know, it's for whatever reasons why um, that takes a long time for someone to get to the reasons. But I do know that the pain is equal. It is not, and and I think that I think that women. Um, we share with each other. Men, I think um, it's difficult for them to reach out, even a little more difficult because of the sense of somehow you failed and women have that as well. But the sense of failure and, um, you know, the reflection of your masculinity and um, there's all, all of all of these um, betrayal-induced shame beliefs that keep people very trapped. But I, I know that I'm speaking like from a betrayed woman's perspective, but I do believe that the statistics show that, you know, it's pretty equal out there. Let's talk about what you just raised, and that is an issue of shame, uh, the feeling that somehow or other uh, your world is falling apart, um, you're embarrassed, you're so uh, hurt by your own uh, your own actions, uh, usually bad actions, that uh, you can't bear to even uh, show your face. <laughs> Look, uh, there's all sorts of ways of describing these things, but uh, come back to you, Dave, here, because this was one of those challenges, uh, showing your heart, revealing your own deceit and lies and infidelity. Um, how do you feel about this thought about shame? Yeah, I think you, there's a great phrase you just had there, Neil, about not being able to show your face, that is a really impactful thing because that is exactly what it is like. I mean, shame is, uh, you know, what, what's the difference between shame and guilt? I definitely feel guilt, but shame is telling me I'm a bad person. Guilt is I'm a person that's done bad, horrendous things and made bad choices and decisions. Now, um, one of the real, I mean, the a couple of times I've gradually given up controlling my image. And I think this, hopefully, last few weeks has been very close to a complete step of giving up the image, trying to control the image and be, start to embrace the brokenness that is in me. And if we go back to all biblical characters or biblical identities and heroes, they were broken and they were loved in their brokenness, they were embraced in their brokenness and they were accepted with their brokenness. And it's only at that point I can be known, I can start to know myself and heal and even give myself properly to other people. No doubt you reflect, Dave, on that infidelity, and perhaps the most famous infidelity in the Bible, and that is of King David and his affair with Bathsheba and all of the outworking of that and the death of her husband then on the front lines of battle. Uh, David, the cause of all of that. And beyond it, 
while there are consequences for his actions, um, he's remembered historically as a man after God's own heart because he did have to face up to the shame Mm. of his own infidelity. Is that one story that that is alive for you when you reflect on Scripture? Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, look at David. His shame took him to murder a man, to avoid being seen, to avoid being seen for his actions. Uh, So, yeah, I do identify with the impact of it, but also I identify with God's heart, is that he'll see us in our brokenness. And will accept us in our brokenness. His grace is enough to restore us. All right? We weren't made perfect. We were never going to be perfect, ever. We just only need to be accountable for and honest. One of the things that Jesus promised to do in his ministry was heal the brokenhearted. When you reflect on your own faith, And even as Dave's talking about identity, we will say, you know, we should identify with Christ. He is the one we identify with because our brokenness is nothing in comparison to his identity. How do you reflect on brokenheartedness? Because I know listeners will hear that you were brokenhearted and something has happened that's given you hope and brokenheartedness has begun to heal. How do you reflect on that? Um... Well, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is my rock, um, and I and I also knew that because of my relationship with him, whether Dave was in the picture or not, I'm okay. I I was going to be okay, as painful and as excruciating as everything has been. You know, God never said you're not going to have pain. He said, "I'll be I'll be with you in your pain." He will. Be with us in all things. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And it is the most heart-wrenching experience to know that the person you love that's you know, committed to love and honour you has treated you so poorly. Um, but it, it, still, to be stripped back to your own um, who am I and your own identity and it's honestly, it's who we are in Christ. That that doesn't mean that um, you know. It, it's also learning how to take back agency over your own life as well, and really, honestly, sitting sitting with Jesus and letting Him heal our wounds, and uh, you know, just hold us in our pain, hold us, hold us in our pain, just. God's got big shoulders. He can, he can take my anger. He can take my grief. And he, and you know, thankfully with with the um, restoration work that Dave's doing too, Dave, it also can take my grief and my anger. And he mm. must. He must mm. be able to receive that. And Tony, let me come to you for a moment here, because when we start talking in a spiritual sense, we say the Christian when they get married to become one flesh. And that has a special uh, a special way, and even there's a concept of ownership in that, and especially around uh, sex and intimate relationship, there's a certain ownership there. But this idea of controlling the other, how do you reflect on, on what 
could be happening from one side with coercion and uh, and then the response of the other is it also a, a you know a coercion on the opposite uh, side how do you describe the way these things work well in the in the sense of um, you know uh, infidelity I'm getting feedback here um, you know like while ever while ever one person is controlling the information and in our case someone who's a deceiver and then me being the betrayed the person that is not i mean it, that's that's like a power imbalance for a start the person that's not getting the full information is unable to make uh, informed healthy choices for themselves and the other person that holds all the information that knows what they're doing is wrong that continues to do that um, is 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 kind of in that entitled position um, there's just there's just such an imbalance, and whether that person thinks if they don't know it's okay, it will always come to the surface. It will always come out in behaviours that are um, less than Christ-like. Dave is holding back the information. Uh, is that in itself a coercive practice because you're keeping control and you're saying uh, the other person in this relationship uh, doesn't need to know those things? Any thoughts from you here? Absolutely, Neil. Um, it is. It's me deciding what's best for Noni, what's, what she needs to know, um, when really what I'm deciding is what's best for me. Or what I think was best for me anyway at the time. Of course, it had its own consequences um, over time. Noni, let's come to some of the steps. I know that there'll be listeners today saying either this is my story or it might be the story of some people I know. It could be family members, could be people in their church, uh, it could be people, the next door neighbours. Uh, steps to overcome this because some will say, well, uh, if it's all that bad, why not just call it quits as a lot of people do, take an easy option. But that may not necessarily be the best thing for their happiness long-term either. Steps to, uh, Neil, steps I, to doing I, this. I, I will say there is no easy option. Whether you choose to stay or whether you choose to go, neither road's easy. Neither road's easy. Our decision came when, uh, when, I, when I think it was March 2019 when we were doing an intensive... And Dave at that point said I, that I did know everything and he actually said, if you choose not to be with me after this, I will fully understand. My words to him were, I need to heal uh, from this whether I'm with or without you. We've come so far, my choice is to do it you know, together. I didn't know then that I still didn't have the truth. Um, but... <sighs> The, the, the steps are you've got to, if you do want the relationship to work, you've got to have two people that are very willing. You've got to have someone that's been withholding information to be brave enough and courageous enough to go through this process of being completely honest. Like there's got to be complete transparency. Um, and, and that, again, brings us back to the full therapeutic disclosure to make sure it's done in a really safe way. And there are specialists for both both parties that can you know, take you through the process, which takes weeks, sometimes months. And these days, you and Dave are mentoring other couples who are going through similar things to what you've gone through yourselves. 
is it something that they are finding valuable that when there's a third party involved, when there's someone who's like a mediator, that actually make things a whole lot easier? Does that work like that, Noni? Uh, not necessarily a mediator. Um, more, more a of, facilitator. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Sort of, you know, we can we can share with people what what we know works and what we know hurts. Yeah. Um, and I think that in a, in a couple sense, sometimes it's it's just helpful to have to hear both sides to hit to hear both sides because there's so many potholes and pitfalls of trying to clamber out of this, and because it's such an isolating experience. And and this is what Dave and I felt too. Like in the early days, like we we just we just got this so wrong. We we're not we're not making progress. We don't know what we're doing. This is this is too hard. This is, but what we the more we speak to other people now, we understand that there is no perfect process. There there is no perfect process. But it's in in a couple. It's not the conflict that arises, but it's the resolution. It's do people know how to make a good repair. And are we on the same page, on the same team? Because this is a really messy process. Would it be better to start this process before there's a discovery of infidelity? If there was the person who was committing the infidelity to say, my marriage is worth saving, Uh, it hasn't been discovered yet. Is it good to disclose those things early? Uh, Dave, your opinion here, because uh, I know in your own your own case, uh, you were discovered and then you had some explaining to do. Mm-hmm. But would it have been better had you disclosed those things before being discovered? Absolutely, Neil. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Noni came home from the gym and saw me sitting on the lounge and said, what have you been doing? I said, I've been crying and grieving. I've been grieving. And she moved towards me. I said, please don't come and comfort me because she said, well, what, have you, what do you mean? I said, I'm looking back and I can just see the wasted opportunities. The number of times I've gone, I prob- I, I could let this go now. I could open up now. And I didn't. I missed every opportunity. So, yeah, that is a lot better. It is a lot better tackling this early. Um, we underestimate the love of our partners. We underestimate their relationship with God, we underestimate the healing power of truth, and we also underestimate the attractiveness and genuine value of humility and repentance. If you'd known these things decades earlier, because your book title says 28 years, and I'm assuming that uh, your wedding uh, anniversary next one coming up must be 30 plus uh, somewhere around there. 28 years together. Um, okay, that was right. at the time. We're actually married 30 years this October. Okay. So, you know, you've got 30 years now. And here you are on the other side of a whole lot of things that may have looked a whole lot different had you understood some things in your early life. Uh, there's this thing, I guess, in Australian men, uh, you know, the thought of exploits, uh, of, you know, conquering uh, the other sex, of uh, of being the betrayer and uh, doing these things in secret, almost like a, you know, a badge of manhood. And, of course, we understand from Scripture that we're called to flee those worldly youthful lusts. If you knew these things a whole lot earlier, would you have saved yourself a whole lot of heartache 
in the process of your marriage. And uh, there could have been a whole lot of other different dimensions to your marriage if you weren't having to come back and recover and repair all of these different things that went wrong. Um, well, something comes to mind when you when you describe that masculinity and it's toxic masculinity. That is not healthy manhood at all. Um, and as far as... You know, I could only ever make decisions on what I knew at any given time. The beauty of doing this full therapeutic disclosure as well has actually, it's kind of, um, it's been beneficial to me because some of the betrayal-induced shame beliefs that a betrayed partner takes on is that somehow it's about, I've done something, it's I'm not good enough. Um, it's about me. If I was just this, then that wouldn't have happened, which is just all rubbish. So I was able to see and have seen that Dave's history has is there is addiction. There is uh, compulsive acting out behaviours that has gone way back before we met that he actually hid and buried. And this is a very common thing, Neil. This is not just someone just doesn't get caught out and then that's the only time they've done it. I can promise you that there's many, many more hidden secrets there. The other thing about um, uh, seeing and uh, seeing it in written and hearing him, you know, read out this document to me is I remember sitting there, you know, because so often we have, we have a gut instinct or our intuition, our godly intuition, and we dismiss it or we deny it or, or we, we uh, because we might even approach our, our loved one and question, and if anyone's read our book, you'll remember that there was um, a time of questioning before we even got married. And um, I was I was questioning about this one lady that David, I don't know, mentioned her name, and I just and I I questioned it, and he turned around and he said, "You've got a nasty, suspicious mind." Now through that disclosure process, I realised I didn't have a nasty, suspicious mind. I had every reason, and and I just looked and I just went wow, I felt so validated. I can trust my instinct. I can trust my gut. But when you've got someone gaslighting you, lying to you, telling you that you're, you know, that's no, it's nothing, it's nothing. Um, I just want to, if, if anyone's in this situation, I just want to say, um, I hear you and I see you and I validate mm. that your experience is real. And um, yeah, that's just part of the healing process is to learn to trust yourself again. You know, when we think of what children are seeing in the examples of their parents, uh, what teenagers are learning in the schoolyard, uh, what you might even be exposed to in a youth group, uh, be these things good or bad, they're affecting the way that you're being shaped for your adult future. Uh, so learning to understand some things from these young years, uh, from the young married couple doing some marriage preparation, uh, for the sort of intuition that might even be there, uh, trying to see some things before you actually put that ring on the finger. Uh, is this the right person that I want to spend the rest of my life with? Am I going to set myself up for a time when our lives will be a shambles and shame will be governing all that we do? Getting these things right young is actually really powerful. When you have opportunities to share in various groups, are there young men who are coming to some of these uh, opportunities? Let's come to you, Dave, because, you know, you're getting to share your testimony, say, in some men's groups or in some 
Zoom meetings? Uh, are there young men who are interested in your story? Or is it a bunch of middle-aged men and maybe older ones who are having regrets about their own choices? Any? Well, it, it's both, Neil. Um, I must say, look, I went to a, a recent men's camp and I was blown away by the number of young men there. Yeah, just lovely, great young men. And they, most of them knew my story. And I, they were vulnerable enough and open enough to speak about their struggles, particularly with pornography, um, the challenges. And I've had the chance to speak very openly and honest with them about the impact and particularly encourage them, this is not something you just keep to yourself. Your wife needs to know this. Um, you are need to be equally yoked, as we say, and you cannot hide this because as you hide it, even if you're hiding it amongst a group or just hiding it between you and a confidant or a pastor, you're still controlling. Let's just pause and reflect here on pornography because in this digital age where everyone has a mobile device, it's so easy to access pornography. And the temptation can be so strong, especially for a man to access pornography. Is there a way that you encourage young men or older men who have confessed that this is my challenge, this is an addictive behavior that I'm doing? Is there something that you say that helps make it easier to manage that, Dave? Look, I haven't done a lot of work myself in that area. There's plenty of resources that way. But I, I took the steps voluntarily last month to just get off all social media. Now, that wasn't an avenue for me to pursue images, but I just realised you are leaving yourself exposed and it was shaping in many ways your experience of the day and your thinking and your time. So, look... Um, I don't know, you, you, you've done a lot more reading on that area than me around. Um, well, I think, Neil, you, you know, you made a point perhaps. like in, um, in the digital age, you can be looking up a news story and mm. then and a pop-up might just, just pop up. Now, Dave, we can speak to this because yeah. only six months ago you said that, you know, you were uh, online um, – looking at something and then there was a lingerie model or something yeah. was, and so you actually looked longer and even yeah. like it you know pornography is anything that that you can um sexualize and you know like mentally you're actually objectifying yes for yeah. your own pleasures that's right um, Whether it was intended that way or not. That's right. So Whether it was intended or there's not. There's accidental viewing, but then it's what you do with that next thought. Yeah. And so there, there's an interesting thing exactly, and that was thanks for reminding me that, that um, we shared with another fellow, and he say, had the same experience, saying, Dave says, I don't look, but things pop up on marketplace ads and all over the place. And these aren't men that uh, have a, you know, feel like they're out of control at all. It's just that, in the digital age, you are being targeted quite often. Quite yes, often. sex sells and it is going to be in our face. 
I imagine that for the Christian believer, uh, when you recognize that self-control is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that somehow or other you might seek that gift for self-control. And another thing that I often will share with people is that when you're in a marriage, you make one another the full focus of your own sexual attention uh, to the exclusion of all others and to the exclusion of all images. Mm. And there is a protection in that. Uh, Perhaps not 100% guaranteed, but that's a way that you can actually make a strong stand for being married one flesh, one to another. Time's running short, but we've got a caller, a caller who is calling, I think, anonymously from Queensland. Uh, Hello, welcome along. Yeah, hi. What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I just, well, I've been going through um, a domestic violence situation um, and um, I just got a question for, is it Naomi? Noni. Noni, yeah. Um, Sorry. (laughs) Um, How do you... How do you get your head around um, getting um, <sighs> validating yourself, even though you know there's there's lies and deceit there? Noni. Gosh, um, are, are you talking now that? Uh, Everything has come out because in um, in the last four years, five years, um, there's been no new um, acting out as such. That was all yeah. previous. So um, I right. did I did actually say to Dave that if any of these recent disclosures had have been discovered, you know, like because the you know like any secrets they're gonna they're gonna come out at some stage. It would have been disastrous. Um, yeah. Validating yep. myself, um, that's that is a, a process. I I do um, I don't take ownership for Dave's decisions at all. I don't take ownership for uh, it's it's on it's on him. I can I I put my hand on my heart and I just know that I have made decisions with integrity, staying true to my core value. Like we cannot control. We can't control anything outside of our own our own being. And I, honestly, self care and um, self regulation is is just paramount. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I, um, yep. My partner um, doesn't and won't um, validate anything because of his self pride, and I feel like he's just not going to give that up for anything. Um, We've been separated now for nearly three years and um, I've gone through so many processes in this situation. Um, It's just uh, very hard, like he's isolated me from all our children Mm. and um, that's pretty devastating that they believe his lies. Mm. Um, how would you go about that sort of thing? There's there's no safety in someone that is actually, you know, 
in a controlling situation like that. Gosh, I just, I would really just say surround yourself with safe people. You've, you've got to find your safety. He's, if he's going to believe his lies and he's going to use, use that to manipulate those around you, it, it's, it's just horrendous and heartbreaking for you. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much to that caller from Queensland and with the encouragement that even as hard as it might seem to be on your knees before God and with expectation that there could be some breakthrough, that there could be some way, uh, that there could be some resolution. And perhaps we, uh, we think of miracles in different ways, but we might have our hearts turned towards God and we might be on our knees and we might be even in tears but with expectations that God will bring a breakthrough and uh, that his will and that his joy in your heart will prevail. Thank you so much to that caller from Queensland. We have run out of time, and I did mention that the two of you are mentoring and supporting men and women in overcoming the obstacles and shame that's associated with infidelity. And for listeners to be connected to uh, Dave and Noni, uh, the th- first thing might be to read their story. It's called Beyond Betrayal, 28 Years, Lies, Deceit and Infidelity. Uh, Noni, uh, your, uh, your, your website is called Be- beyondbetrayalrecoverybook.com. So uh, is that right? Have I got that right? I think so. <laughs> Just Beyond. Google Noni and David Yates. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it. Uh, Noni and David Yates. Yeah. Google their names to make contact personally, uh, even for some encouragement to take the next steps. Or if there's a challenging time right now, uh, they might be a listening ear and they may well have that little bit of advice that you need to be able to move forward from where you are. BeyondBetrayalRecoveryBook.com and you can certainly just Google their names, David and Noni Yates. David and Noni, uh, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart in humility with us once again today. Let's plan to do this again sometime soon. My suspicion is that there's a lot more uh, that we might, uh, we lot more than we might hope when there's these sorts of challenges in relationships everywhere. Uh, Noni, thank you for being part of 2020 today. Thanks, Neil. And David, thank you. Neil, thanks for having us. And can I just add one thing? Um, Noni has been, well, we've been accumulating an enormous amount of resources mm. over the years. And if they search via that site, there is resource pages there and recommendations for people. Um, yeah. I always like to recommend for listeners where you can go further to get some help if we're covering an issue like this. BeyondBetrayalRecoveryBook.com Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.